0: hey y'all this is a preview to the latest premium subscriber only episode to champagne sharks so what you're hearing is a small clip of a longer episode that is available over on patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and it's available to premium subscribers who pay five dollars a month And if you want to hear the rest of the episode go over to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and subscribe for only five dollars a month You get not only access to this episode in its entirety But to the whole backlog of premium episodes, which at this point is over 100 episodes at this point So it's a great deal. So without further ado Here is the preview and I hope we see you on the other side at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks where you can hear the rest.
1: I work with kids whose parents were incarcerated, kids in group homes and foster homes, kids, in, um, kids whose parents were incarcerated, but they were in kinship care, foster care, um, pregnant and parenting teams. Like, this is my background. This is what I mostly worked with. And I remember advocating for my kids, ad- advocating for their families, and then all these people with their degrees behind desks, sitting in suits, are marking up papers and talking and trying to tell me what these families need. They've never even been to the community. But they went and studied shit. this trauma-informed care stuff. They went and studied, they got the psychology degree looking at me with their MFT or whatever they got. They're telling me, well, none of these are excuses for why this kid isn't succeeding by you by their standards. And I remember just being so angry as I was learning it. And I was like, yo, so they know all this stuff. And most of the healing stuff is stuff is our shit anyway. It's like right. <laughs> ancient indigenous and African uh, traditions and practices, things around like EDMR, was it EMR? EMDR, I forget how you say it, eye, eye movement uh, trauma. They have meditation <clears> and yoga that's been around for 100,000 years. Exactly. <laughs> but they just discovered it in 1965. Like it was, it was just making me really angry because I felt like, wait a minute, we have all these tools. We know what exists. We know what's going on in the brain. And yet we're not applying it to our own communities. We're not doing what you're doing, having more empathy and saying, oh, I get, I'm not going to get angry because I understand how we got here. You know, right. I didn't lose my patients with my teens, but the other caseworkers were losing their patients because they didn't understand the trauma. What was and I didn't really know either. I wasn't trained yet, but something told me something was going on with this kid
2: because I watched it my whole life. But right.
1: all these scholars, they're acting like it doesn't exist. Like we just talking the side of our neck.
2: Right. Well, I think a part of that is they don't want to take responsibility. Like for, you know, if for your white colleagues to be able to have, you know, and even have some some black people, they have to have a very uh, clear uh, understanding of how all of these institutions, in- including, um, you know, healthcare and especially mental health care evolved in this country. Um, there are some pretty sick stories that uh, I want to recommend a book for people uh, to read. And I know it's been out in the lexicon a lot since COVID, but Medical Apartheid does oh, not yeah. just talk about Tuskegee, honey.
1: Yes. I mean,
2: there were she mapped experiments literally well into the 90s and early in 2000s. And I mean, she just wrote another book about um, the evading medical consent. And it was so funny because uh, the author, Harriet Washington, um, is is a Facebook friend of mine. And I had contacted her when I saw that she's releasing a new book. It was last year around this time, I believe February. And I wanted to get her on my show um and i remember she just went silent um you know for she answered initially and agreed and then she just went silent later i found out um you know that that she decided that she didn't want to do any podcast she didn't want to do any media because um Her book was so out there and she was being targeted um, by people who wanted to to push, you know, vaccine on vaccine hesitant communities like black people, because so many people were like citing her book as why they didn't want the shot. Right.
0: Uh, Oh, yeah. People get people get mad at any talk. yeah. Yeah.
2: And so she decided, even though she had literally just dropped the book, because, you know, that's what people do when they drop a book. They go on the rounds to sell the book. That's what the publisher would expect. That's what the publisher, right. And it was almost like she was scared. She she didn't speak at all. Um, Because I remember and it may have been something I said to her, but I said, it's funny, this book is coming out and we're now like seeing people really use, you lose the right to consent because it's being tied to their jobs or being tied to whether they can travel or being tied to basically their basic deeds. Um, And so I say all that to say, you know, think about how just powerful these institutions are that people who are very, very well uh, educated in their institutions, mind you, because she works in Harvard. Um, you know, I don't know if y'all know what Carter G. Wilson said about Harvard, but anyway, I'll leave that for another time. Yeah, no, we've quoted us. it
0: several times. Oh, y'all
2: quoted it. Okay, so yeah, say it again, though, for those
1: who might be listening for the first time.
2: I don't have it verbatim. Oh. <laughs> and, and, do you? Do you have it verbatim,
0: Trevor? Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't have it verbatim, but I could paraphrase that basically. Uh, yeah. Harvard has done more damage to uh, Negro minds than bad Negro. whiskey. Yes.
2: Yes. Like yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a good paraphrase. But um, that's funny. But yeah, so I that just goes to show you how powerful, um, a lot, you know, these industries are. So I say to your experience, it is really not in their interest um, to heal black people. They don't, exactly. really don't care. Um, exactly. To be honest with you, it's 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 a all of it is business. And I'll speak on something that I know for a fact, because professionally I work as an organizer, as a um, uh, co-director with my husband of a nonprofit where we do work around ending the school to prison pipeline and pushing for equity in America's schools um, uh, for black students specifically and, and, and organizing black parents and providing them political education and leadership development and all of these different things, right? That's what we do professionally. And I can tell you unequivocally um, to your listeners, and I know many of them are smart and they can go and research and fact check me, but there are literally... Thousands of children across this country um, who have been misidentified to have some sort of, um, uh, you know, something on the mental spectrum that would allow them to be medicated. And they literally sit in these schools um, in secluded areas where they're not learning a damn thing. And it's mainly being targeted at our Black boys. My son would have been on that preschool to prison pipeline or, you know, preschool to the pharmaceutical company pipeline if it was not for my advocacy. Um, And I've thankfully been able to organize thousands of parents across this country uh, since the last 10 years that I've been doing this work to ask for a second opinion. And you know what your rights are, because... Let me tell you something. Dr. Juwanza Kajufu, who's another African word scholar, he actually works um, in education, Janice Hale Williams, Dr. Asa Hillier, they saw what was happening to black children. And it was really a backdoor way to segregate within the same building. White people came up with new labels new ideas. That's when the gifted program after Brown versus Board of Education was created. You had gifted and talented blew up. You had private schools blow up because white people who had the resources still didn't want their children learning in the same classes as, as Black children. So again, it to me, it's another form of how they, when we advocate, when we shut shit down and bring them to the brink of revolution, they have to evolve. They have to figure out a, another way to continue to oppress us and that's what's so tiring about this country and that's you what happens all the time exactly you can get one huge win you think it's a win and then these people just create more barriers because that's exactly what happened in it's education. like it mutates like every exactly. time
1: it becomes resistant
2: now X to- they said it's like a cadillac they get they come out with a brand new form of racism every year <laughs> And that's and it's true and they become it's more so savvy with it
1: and I think <laughs> a lot of these scholars be that's why I used to get, that's why I get so annoyed whenever I see these things like trying to school white people on racism like they don't know and it makes me mad because I'm like it doesn't really teach them anything other than how to hide their racism better because now you're right. telling them exactly what to look for or what exactly not to do or to do to show you that they're not racist right or to make it look like they're not racist but something you were saying made you think of us like a family story we have um where my cousin, um he was uh in elementary school he got tests. he, he did like some sort of test or he wasn't doing great in school or something and so they they tested him to say and they tried to tell him he h- has special needs right he was a little slow and my cousin his mom says um she she was going along with it she was like oh well i, I you know they're saying he's struggling here and whatever whatever then her mom had to tell her and i remember the, uh, I remember when my mom was telling me this, how this happened, because she was laughing because my, you know, my cousin's grandmother basically said, ain't nothing wrong with that boy. Just if you knew her, that's exactly how she said it. Exactly. Said, ain't nothing wrong with that boy. Don't, don't listen to that. Squid. Ain't right. nothing wrong with that boy. And um, they ended up doing, take him to get a second opinion, come to find out what well, none wrong
2: with that boy you know um he just didn't like school yep, exactly. <laughs> they weren't and he didn't like money. school because the school has not many times they're not made for our children they're, it, it, they're not they're, at all they not are all. very anti our children and our children can feel that
1: yeah i always say in fact i said this once at a um in a panel discussion I was on at the LA Public Library. And it was, I didn't know at the time, the audience was literally majority retired teachers. And it was uh, literally 99% white. There was one black lady, a middle-aged black lady. And there was a teenage white male there, I guess for a project or something. And I said in my, in the panel discussion, I said the most dangerous place for uh, a black child is the public school system. And they were irate. <laughs> These women went nuts it's true they started telling me about Obama Obama came up through the public school system I'm thinking I don't care like what's that supposed to mean you know but the, but it's something that people just can't seem to take and that's another thing i getting to the to the political points that you were making earlier that's another thing that you know we start to fall for things because we think it's in our interest I remember you know and I don't see here this conversation as much as I used to but remember when the Democrats kept trying to get everybody to rally around the public schools because they were against the charter schools right right and I kept thinking, I said, nobody's questioning this. I mean, I'm I, I get what people are trying to get at and how it can or cannot benefit our communities, blah, blah, blah. blah. But I didn't like the fact that nobody was challenging it. We were at least in my community in LA. It was, it was like this was the. I, I work in community organizing. I've been working right. organized since I was like fourteen. So I know the language. You know what I mean? All these people were on the language. They were on their code, right? Which is we're four public schools. We're anti-charter. We're four public schools but anti-charter. And I said, what the fuck have public schools done for you? And they haven't. They nobody could really answer that for me. And I said, right. what have they actually provided for us? I said, we didn't even think about what if we started creating some of our own schools using this other system. I'm not saying it's it's a good idea or a bad idea. We're not even talking about it. I don't really know. I'm not the expert here, but we're not even challenging it. And I always thought that was interesting. Why do we advocate for these systems that have been detrimental to us? What do you think that's about? Like, why do we advocate? I get why they're gonna mutate. I get why they're not gonna in, include certain things in their curriculum. And have to be held accountable for the stuff that they talk about, right? You have to hold yourself accountable for the fact that our black boys can't sit still in your classroom, but they're mm-hmm. not gonna do that. Why do we fall in line with them?
2: Well, I mean, so a couple of things because I, I, you know, I work in this in this area, and so a lot of folks um, have said to me because I have been uh not necessarily pro charter i'm pro whatever that be- whatever is best for black children right if you have that's black children at, yes right if you have black children who are thriving in some uh charter schools um i think that that's an amazing thing um but i know that there are people who are on sort of like the pro education side Their point is around, uh, you know, neoliberalism and really the right trying to privatize education, which is also an issue where um, ever since the Department of Education was created under Lyndon Bain Johnson, a lot of people don't know that. There was no federal Department of Education because education is not in the Constitution. Um, States have a right to education in their constitution, like where I live now in Maryland, Ohio, and several other states have. Um, so is education in this country up until the Lyndon Bain Johnson administration, um, his war on poverty programs, which created the Federal Department of Education, um, was is very hyper-local. Um, you know, and and most of the most of the funding actually comes from property taxes of whatever community that you're in. So you have people who are saying, "Hold on, wait a minute." Now these these people want access to our public tax dollars, and now we have all these years of evidence that charters, as a whole, not individual charters, um, are no better than public schools. So a lot of people see that it's a sort of right wing. Um, attack because the right was never supportive of the war on poverty programs. Um, of oh, of um, so that's, that's why you see, and so there are certain Black people who are in that camp um, who will say, no, no more new charters, no more new charters kind of thing. You know, we want the right investments. Because that's the other thing. Um, in Ohio at least, uh, the way public schools are funded has been ruled unconstitutional from the Ohio Supreme Court. Were
1: you guys still um, doing the taxes program
2: where well, well, are yeah, the most taxes? Got well, that's cuz yeah, it, yeah, and they're saying that funding education in schools because that's the thing. Schools are actually more segregated now than they were even back in the day. So, yeah. that's why you see so many people trying to hold on to the public education system because history um you know records black people actually being the founders sort of of pub- public education and, and creating their own sort of like educational institutions when uh, or before Brown. Um, so the whole idea for public education is actually historically a black idea. Um, So that's the other piece to it, is that you see um, the right does not support basically their taxes. Because think about this, though, like this is this is why critical thinking is so important. If you make the connection that by 2050 now, and I think that number has been lowered by 2050, that this country will be, quote unquote, a majority minority country. Why do you think white folks want to continue to pay for education? It's not for their kids. That's That's a good point. Yeah. It's not going to be for their kids. They're done. They don't want their property taxes paying for public education anymore.
0: All right. So that was a preview. If you like what you hear and you want to hear the rest of the episode and 100 more episodes, then by all means, go over to Patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. Take care, y'all.